I'm in blind luck. How you doing? Good. Should be a good one today. I'm looking forward to it, my man. Looking forward to it. I'm I'm thinking about getting some like music to play, kind of like theme slash intro, upbeat. Oh, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying for this early portion, rather than just having some dead air, have some tunes that everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, get it upbeat, kind of get the mood going. I like it. Yeah, get the juices flowing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking about music, so I'll be I'll be figuring that is selling K about that. I see K's out there get K up on stage. Um, yeah, selling K about that as well. I think it's a good thing, right? I know that there's some podcasts I listen to that have some sick intro music that I kind of get like stuck in my head and get get yeah. amped up. So yeah, so, yeah. Good. I mean, you know, you have a little dead space here at the beginning of the call. That's perfect. Um, Right? I don't know if there's any like copyright issues or anything, but uh, I use a website called Bandcamp for um, a lot of my video editing stuff I used to do. Um, it's just artists who are doing their own thing, and it's not copyright protected. They allow you to use it on content you create. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Bandcamp? Yeah, it's Bandcamp. Um, you have to pay a small fee. It's like a dollar a song, but you can use it for whatever you want, and it helps to, you know, it's like a side hustle for these people. They're really good, um, and it helps them out. So, you know, it's kind of a fun, fun project. Nice. Appreciate that. I will check that out for sure. And uh, we're going to get into some good discussion today. Hey, Kay, how you doing? Did you get in, involved with the markets today? I was actually kind of uh, mostly non-participatory on the trading side. No, I did not actually today. I was just watching. I was thinking of getting into SoFi and a couple others, but you know, I just got distracted at work and then I missed the vote. Did we yeah. hit 5,000 on the S&P? Did we actually cross? I, uh, I've been busy all day, but... I... I was no. watching it. We didn't quite touch? Oh, I thought for sure. No, 498.53. <laughs> you don't get any closer than that. Damn. I know. It was right there. That was and I, and the a bit and I had to go do something. I was wondering if it hit. You know, yesterday, uh, Paul was talking about SMCI, right? And uh, I had one of my viewers reached out and asked, hey, what are your thoughts about SMCI? I'm like, dude, I'm not, I, I have no thoughts about it. I'm not entering in that trade. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, that one's a. No, it's like, a it it's fifty two week high. It ran up one hundred and thirty three percent in last uh, year to date. It's just not like it's too hot right now. Yeah, it's hard to get in now. Like I was saying yesterday, though, there are some folks that got like oh, I forgot who it was, but she got in in November, which is just amazing to get in in November on a move like that. You, you gotta love it. Shows there's the good opportunities out there. And she had no fear, right? Got in, <laughs> and now, uh, I mean, it's it's less a matter of fear and more a matter of just good sense and uh, knowing when not to chase it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Let's see here. So we're gonna get a few others to join us, and then we'll get going here in a little bit. I know I think Wolf is gonna join us on stage, and I got a few others. Uh, that we've got invited and we'll get things rolling today. Of course, we're going to get into it with the panel talking about fighting the fear of failure. And uh, to me, just kind of reshaping this whole concept of fear and um, and the fear of failure specifically and getting past that is is a great topic. Like, I'm really excited to talk about this and looking forward to getting into it. Shout out to Blind Luck for uh, suggesting this spe this specific talk topic because, uh, yeah, absolutely great. Yeah, um, it's a good one. I mean, we've been talking about success and uh, how to get unstuck, and we kind of keep coming back to the topic of you have to get started. And I feel like a big reason people don't get started is the fear of failure. So it seems like a natural fit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So, hey, Carl, glad you could join us again this evening. How's your day gone? Hey, hey, doing just fine. It was a good day today. Uh, I think we hit, to answer your question, blind luck, I think we hit, uh, well, the future has just hit over 5,000 now. There you go. I think we hit 49.99.86 or something like that during the day. Wow. Yeah, it was fun. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, now the futures are getting there. You're saying, Carl, getting the getting the five handle on there. Then wait, looks before. like it looks like it's five thousand and twelve right now. Very nice. Yeah, I know. I've talked about being cash on some of the past calls, but you know that's only thirty percent. I'm still seventy percent in because you just never know. It's 
if it keeps running, you want to have that exposure. Like having a little cache is always smart, but um, you never want to be completely on the sideline. This is a perfect textbook case of why. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's been a lot of uh, you know bearish and kind of what I'll say fear mongering uh, over the past year, and it's good to be cautious and wise. Don't get me wrong, but. Um, it looks like, you know, the markets are clearly moving up into the right, which is what you like to see. And, you know, with that is kind of a risk on mentality. And that just shows that even at these levels, there's people willing, and by people, I mean, big institutions willing to put money to work because exactly. you know, not it's not us, right? It's not you that are moving these markets. Uh, we're along for the ride. Yeah, yeah and, I'll you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with de-risking and taking a little profits, but yeah, you never want to completely be on the sideline because that's just, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. you got to play the game. Yeah, it is nice, though, to have uh, cash making money, you know. That is, uh, that's new for us for a, a long time in, you know, what, 15 years or so, <laughs> you know, where, where cash wasn't just trash. So that's a, that's a good fallback option. Uh, yeah, you can sit and wait for your pitch. Yeah, it's hard to say no to that when you want to lower your risk. You know, it's a, it's a good place to park it. Totally. Yeah, but uh, and we entered and we entered seventy five on the fear and greed. So you're in extreme greed now. We did it. So I, I put a yeah. poll up again. Just, the people are risk on right now. I'd love to see it, to be honest. And uh, I put a poll up last weekend, and it was two to one. Uh, people were thinking that the question was, do we go to you know, extreme fear or, I mean, excuse me, will we dip from fear down to neutral or will we go to, I meant to say greed, greed down to neutral yeah, uh, or up to extreme greed, right? Kay, you're with me. <laughs> I, I, I I voted for staying in the greed. I wasn't expecting going into extreme greed, but hey, there we are. You thought we'd say flat. See, only like 10% of people thought we'd say flat. I mean, yeah, eventually, I you know, so. we get a reversion to the mean, right? I mean, whenever you get too far on the fear or greed index, it's, it's going to come back eventually. It's just, you know, win. Like it could run another 20%. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. It could. I'm looking for it. I think another stat I read not too long ago, I think I brought it up here. I might be in my notes. I'll see if I have it in my notes. But it had to do with, um, you know, we're, we're in a bull market, right? And bull markets have, you know, histories of running, you know, certain amounts of time and certain amount, uh, you know, from bottom to top. And I'll try to find it here, but long story short, um, it's something like we, we could run 22% over the next couple of years and then sell off and have a down year, uh, you know, 10, 15% and still would be on the modest side of a, a, an average bull market run um, if, it, if it ended at that point. So that to me is interesting because like two more 20% plus years, um, that that's incredible, right? And there's, and it seems like it because we've had such an incredible run, you know, last year and and just a couple of years before that. So um, it kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm glad Joe Joe France is with us. Hey Joe, glad you could join us. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely tied hey, in. Hey Nate, hey team. Hey Joe, we're going to be getting into the topic. I'm going to be curious to hear your thoughts on, and uh, we're talking about you know the markets ripping higher just to kind of open things up. But really, it ties into this uh, getting over this fear of failure that some experience and getting past it and putting your money to work in the markets when they've been ripping and not investing with a FOMO mentality, right? Fear of missing out, but but investing with a lack of fear and a lack of fear of failure is actually some, is, is actually a big part of trading and investing. So this all all tie together nicely, but we're talking bigger picture and blind luck. I'd love to hand it over to you. If you don't mind kind of opening up the discussion and leading us off, um, you know, fear, fighting the fear of failure, I think is super important. So how would yeah. you open the conversation with that? Yeah. Um, I got a couple kind of touching points to kind of launch and then I'm going to kind of maybe ask a few questions of how each of the panel members here personally, um, kind of address this fear because I think it's natural for everyone to have some level of fear. It, the question is, how do you manage it and keep it, you know, yeah. back and doing something productive. So I think I the first it. thing to think about is why do we have this fear of failure? Why do, why do humans have this? I mean, yes, it's a survival instinct. You know, we don't want to fall off a cliff even by a tiger or whatever, but I guess it, it goes a little deeper in that in modern society too, is whenever you go to a school or anything like that, you know, 
it's just hammered into us that we cannot make a mistake. You know, you take a test, you get one thing wrong, and you get that ugly red mark on there. You you messed up. You could have done better. No one really appreciates all the things you did well. Um, and then that goes to the workplace, too. You know, you make a mistake at work. You break something. You cost the company money, and you're punished. Um, so there is a really strong uh, feedback loop for fear of making a mistake. And um, it's not really healthy when you're trying to do hard things. And um, a really good example of doing hard things would be NASA, you know, putting man on the moon. I mean, they blew up multiple rockets before they, you know, were able to get off the launch pad. I mean, these are the smartest people in the world with unlimited resources. And they can't even figure this thing out. And they do it publicly on national TV, and they kill people doing it. And um, they never gave up. They kept pushing forward, learning from their mistakes. And they, through failure, gained the wisdom to put man on the moon six separate times on six separate rockets. I mean, truly amazing. No other country has come even close to that. So it's really amazing what you can achieve when you move past that fear of failure and embrace it as part of the process. So, I mean, just wanted to highlight that. It's a bit of an extreme case, but we can learn from that. I mean, the smartest people in the world understood that failure is a part of trying to achieve great things. Um, the last thing I kind of want to touch on is just what the emotions behind fear of failure are, and then maybe kind of open it up to you guys to see how, how do you manage these emotions and how do you um, kind of get through it. So hang on here. I wrote it down. Let me pull it up here. Yeah, so basically the way it works is, you know, we, 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 we fear shame. We don't want to be shame, you know, ashamed of failing. Like when we fail, we, we are embarrassed. We, we feel that we uh, maybe um, cost ourselves something. There was a missed opportunity. So shame leads to fear, and then fear leads to risk aversion. So once you've got that conditioned in you, you start playing small ball. You stop trying to do things that you know you may fail at or you don't know that you'll be 100% successful at. So your world starts shrinking around you as you only do the things that you know that you absolutely can do. And that risk aversion is what ultimately limits you in life. You're unwilling to try new things. You're unwilling to do something that you, you know, start a new business or start a new relationship or try to put a man on the moon. It's just too risky. You're not willing to tolerate that risk level. And that's kind of why I want to open it up to you guys for is like, you know, how do you manage that fear of accepting that risk that you may fail? It may cost you. It may hurt you. It may publicly humiliate you. And, um, you know, what have been the results for you guys? You know, you took that risk and, you know, what was the outcome? That's a great question. I love this topic. And I could go on and on. You know me, guys. I can talk. So I'm going to hand it I over. I got some to quotes to throw to you guys later, but I really wanted to hear, like, the emotional side. Like, I think that's the part most people struggle with. But, yeah, I'm Joe, the same way, Nate. Joe, do you, have, uh, do you have any comments or thoughts on this? Uh, I do. I do. Um, blind luck. I just sort of. Can you just repeat the question? So I just because um, I've got a couple of different ideas on it, but um, do you mind yeah, just I mean, just repeating it? So yeah, my core thesis is is you know shame leads to fear, fear leads mm. to risk aversion, and I guess for you guys, what what is the coping mechanism you use to manage that risk aversion? Like your 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 hesitation to take on risk because you're you know shameful or fearful of you know you know, all the things we all fear about failure, embarrassment, um, you know, financial burden, loss of time and opportunity, you know, all those things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, it's a great question. Yeah. So look, I'll just, by, by way of context, um, I'll just, you know, remind, I, I know the guys in the panel we've talked about in the past, but, um, I, I've had a number of different failures, um, some big and some small, um, my biggest one was, um, you know, making a million dollars as a tech entrepreneur and then investing into someone else's business and definitely uh, and that business um, went bust. And, and so I definitely experienced the shame. That was actually the worst part about it was you, you just, you feel foolish, right? And, and yeah, my, my, the result of that, I just swore that I would never do it again. Um, so more, more recently um, in the last couple of years when I've gone to, um, you know, I've, I'm taking this year to to create an online business, and so that was a big conversation to have with my wife, you know, who was with me when when I lost, um, you know, lost our money in, in the past. And so, the way the way I think about it, um, one thing that sort of changed me over time is I actually care just less and less what other people think. I mean, I do I want people to think well of me, 
I think that's natural. But I also just am aware now that just people will or they won't. And, and um, you know, even I'll, I'll do my best, but I don't care so much now that when people don't. But um, one thing I, I just, you know, you spoke specifically about risk and I wanted to, uh, a story I found really interesting, um, kind of been following this guy for a couple of years, um, Alex Honnold. Do you know him? He, he's a free climber. And he yeah, particularly- that name. Yes. Uh, say the last name again. It's, is it- uh... Honnold, H-O-N-N-O-L-D. Um, yep. if, if anyone, you know, for the listeners, um, there's some incredible videos of him free climbing in the Yosemite um, Valley and some, you know, incredible never done before uh, feats of free climbing. And, you know, the immediate thing that you just see is you're going like, holy crap, like one finger wrong and it's over. Like, you you know, he's, he's dead. He's thousands and thousands of feet in, in the air. Um, but what he says about it is that um, there's risk and there's consequence. So in that situation, the consequences um, are very high. They're very stark if he does fall. But he says the risk of it happening is very low because he's managed that risk. And that's actually, I, I found that really helpful. Um, and I've actually used that. I use it myself in terms of, you know, business. Um, the What are the consequences? And what are the likelihood of those consequences happening? And, and so, yeah, I, I have quite an analytical approach to it. And that's how I sort of manage my, um, my, my fear is I, I rationalize and I analyze it. Um, I hope that answers your question somewhat, Blind Luck. Man, I am checking out this uh, Alex Hanel, or Honnold, uh, some images. I, I would put the videos on, but then you guys would lose me altogether because this is incredible. He's like, I don't even know how many hundreds or thousands of feet up these sheer straight rock faces and like just barehanding it, just gripped in and climbing. There's, it's incredible. There, there, there's one uh, incredible video where he climbs. Uh, I can't remember the, the face. I think it's El Capitan in Yosemite. And he um, climbs up it and then there's just normal tourists. They're just standing at the top and he just appears up, up climbs up over the edge and he's just wearing like shorts and a t-shirt. And he just kind of like dusts his hands off and then just goes morning and then keeps going. And he's, he's been about three or four hours uh, to do that climb. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I like that, you know, risk versus consequence. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some things that are high risk, you know, your risk of failure is quite high, but the consequence might be mm. quite low. So that's an acceptable risk um, and vice versa. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, for, for those of us that are, you know, you know, I definitely experience fear, but I try to rationalize it. And I think that that kind of equation, you know, so the thing, that I know now that I shouldn't be doing is taking, you know, unacceptable risks. And I, and I, you know, the things I did is I put money into somebody's business. I, I didn't get accounting or financial uh, advice. I, you know, didn't get legal advice on it. And it was, it was just very ill-advised, um, you know, and, and so the, the, the chances of it, um, you know, going bust were very high. And, and, but then I think, you know, the consequences too, it, it was bad losing that money and it really did have a big impact and I would never, you know, now risk that much in, in one go. Um, so I have changed and I've kind of learned from that. But, you know, um, I, I didn't have anything else tied to it. And, and um, you know, it was it was some it was a thing, you know. So now when I kind of look at it, I'm, I'm just able to equate more. And I think that helps me to take to take risk, um, but in a much more calculated way. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got gotcha. you. No, I got gotcha. you. Nice. Yeah, that's. I, I thought that was great. But look, if you don't mind, I'll jump in and and throw some yeah. of my thoughts at this. Yeah. But I really so just to get back to what you had said to kind of kick this off that the idea that shame leads to fear, fear leads to risk aversion, and you know how do you get past this? Um, you guys will probably hear me like once a week re reference Freakonomics, and this goes back years. I got to look up the episode, but there's this whole discussion about around this where it's like we're afraid to, you know, if, if you want to write some, you know, something to get published, whether it's a newsletter or a poetry or a book or whatever it is, um, you're, you don't start doing it for fear of of what? Like, what what, what is this big fear? Like what's your your big risk that you're taking on? And if you really sit and think about it, 
and break it down, you can you can kind of make it seem and sound ridiculous and help help yourself get past it. And that's that's what I do. That's literally what I do. Anytime I feel a little bit paralyzed from from fear of failure, you know, they're talking about like, okay, so you're afraid you're gonna write this this poem and you're gonna try to get it published in, you know, some journal or something. And and what happens? Like they don't publish you? Okay. So then what happens to your life at that point? You know, what you spent like some time writing poetry, which you enjoy doing, right? You probably enjoy it. Um, you know, you want to go write for a, a trading magazine. You want to go get in big with, uh, you know, Forbes. You want to go get, take a crack at writing for something like Forbes. And uh, they, they have opportunities, right? They Forbes has opportunities, literally, where you could go and try to publish for them. And People won't give it a go because they're afraid they'll get turned down or won't be good enough or whatever. But like if you're interested and you enjoy writing about the markets, you enjoy discussing the markets, you, you may not have any formal trading, but just your style and, and, and approach and your thought process, like all of that could be is unique, right? There's no other person that's you. And so you bring that unique perspective and, uh, Again, what what's going to change and alter your life so dramatically if you spent, uh, you know, some time, few hours, weeks, whatever it is, writing a piece and trying to get it published, right? That's just one example. Um, there's a lot of other things, right? Starting a business, um, taking on a new career or taking on even just a new position within your career. Right? There's lots of different uh, ways to to find fear where you don't need to. And so I like to kind of dissect it a bit and try to make it seem ridiculous uh, on some level, right? Like, I'm gonna write this, I'm gonna waste no time, I'm gonna really only risk failure or, or being rejected. And if I get rejected, I can just try again, right? So yeah, that's, that's how I approach it. Hopefully that makes sense. What do you think, Kay? I see your hand up. No, uh, I was just waiting for you to finish and then I know I can share. So I started with a cheesy yeah, quote, really? right? I mean, I, I don't like cheesy quotes, but it's pretty good. They say beyond fear lies freedom, right? So that hits hard. Um, you know, I mean, I shared my side of the story about fear. Um, does anybody has, you know, show of hands, has anybody done skydiving or something similar of that sort? My man, if you can get me over my fear of heights to where I could go skydiving, the the world would be a dangerous, it'll be a much more dangerous place because me overcoming that kind of fear is that would be something. So no, hey, this, this flying guy will pay you to go skydiving if you want to go. Oh my god, oh, man! <laughs> so this better be a really know, good conversation, you guys. You gotta get me going skydiving. <laughs> when you when you go to the skydiving place, they generally make you sit down and they'll show you a video. And the, when the video shows, the first thing they say that you can die. And that's when it hits you that what you are going to embark upon is something very serious, right? So fear is, there are many types of fear that we have. And I, when, when I went for skydiving, and I have done skydiving a couple of times, um, when I went for skydiving, there were people who actually left. So they had paid and of course they got refunded because, you know, they didn't want to take it. So there are different types of fear, right? One fear is to your life. One fear is what will people say? I think the the biggest piece, and I, I mean, I'm I'm from a you know culture where you know it's like people instill fear in terms of like what will others say about you, right? Uh, if you live in that kind of environment, you are more fearful of the shame, what's going to happen. So what has happened over the course of at least you know in my life is what I have done is I started to realize. And I, and I also I'll take a story back a little bit. I got into an accident, you know, you're like many years ago. Uh, it was my, I just bought a car six months into driving and then, you know, driving at like 70 on a, a freeway, you get hit. And so I think personally, I have gone through those events in my life and I, and I have seen, you know, family members passing away very close to me. So that has given me a different kind of a clarity in life. If you can get up tomorrow and breathe and your body is working, then really nothing else matters. Uh, so I have a little, little different perspective the way I look at things. Now, um, fear generally comes from your, when you're not prepared for something. So let's say 
if you're looking for a job, like you're applying for a new job and uh, and most of the people probably on the panel can and even the audience can relate to it. You, if you're looking for a job or you have, you know, did job search before, you are, you're not fearful. You're most likely nervous about what could happen. So you'll take an interview of what if they don't select me? Well, no worries. If they don't select me, somebody else is going to select me, right? There is always options out there. So the way I have at least looked into my life is if this has not worked, no worries. I'll try something else. And through trial and error throughout, you know, my career, whether it's professional life or personal life, whether um, another thing I can say is like a lot of people are fearful about, you know, getting on YouTube or something similar where they want to start their channel and they're afraid to show their face. I mean, listen, I mean, when I started with zero subscribers, I didn't know anybody wants to listen to me. You know, you can go take a look at my first video still there. It's crappy as anything, right? You know, you pro you probably laugh your way, um, you know, but, you know, end of the day, the only way to go beyond fear is to address the situation, is to go through that event. Um, and that has been in my case. I generally am not afraid. I have, I've, even when I was a kid, I would just walk out, you know, in the dark by myself so maybe maybe I have that element in me, but I have also learned along the way to not care about what others are thinking. But I think that comes with age as well. Like when I was in my early 20s, you know, I would be probably, what would others say about me? So you had those kind of, I think as I've grown older, I don't really care uh, what others think, you know, I'll just do what I need to do. And that's how I actually take life. And if I fail, I fail. You know what? I'm going to live another day and I'm going to try again. Uh, so that's how I really take a, that's how I really look at it. Good stuff, Kay. What do you think, Blaine? It's interesting, you know, we've all talked about shame a little bit, and um, I think it's important to separate what we're actually fearful of and what we are acting on. So for me personally, my biggest fear is that I let my dream die because I didn't try. Like, that's my biggest fear. It's like, I, you know, instead of failing at something, I just simply allowed it to not happen by inaction. Like it, to me, that's inexcusable. Like we have the power to try and make a success out of it. Like the fact that I wouldn't try, um, to me that that's just the worst thing in the world. Like I had the power to get what I want. And I chose not to because I was scared. That Like to me, that just doesn't even compute. Like it, it just breaks my mind a little bit. So it, it's interesting because I think when people say they're fearful of failure i think they're actually saying um they don't want to be they don't want to feel the shame that comes with making a mistake and I, I find it's really helpful like if you think of public speaking for example um, i'm pretty good at public speaking i've done a fair amount of it and, and a lot of people they they get up on stage and, and they say oh I'm, I'm fearful of making a mistake i don't want to embarrass myself or triple my words or forget my line but they're not actually scared of being on stage there's some exceptions to that some people legitimately have stage fright but for the most part, they're fearful of being ashamed or embarrassed or that they made a mistake. So I find it's really helpful to reframe the conversation in my head. And, and, and it's not that my self-worth is not tied to my performance or it's not tied to the outcome of my activity. My self-worth is tied to showing up and doing the best I can. And I find that reframing it like that is, is really helpful because then the outcome can't possibly affect me as a person. It's like, if I go and speak to an audience of 10,000, which I've done before, and I go up there and something just horrible happens, right? Like I spring a leak and, and, and I'm like bleeding on the stage or something, like just something completely embarrassing. Um, I wouldn't be embarrassed because I, I know that I showed up and I did something hard and I put my best foot forward and that's all I can ever ask of myself. Some interesting comments from Sean out there. I want to get to in a minute. That was good stuff, Blind Luck. Joe, I saw your hand up. I wanted to make sure we got it over to you. Oh, um, 10,000 10, people. That's, that's amazing. Blind Luck, I'd, I'd love to hear um, more about that. Um, I have a lighthearted story. <laughs> it was about the skydiving. Um, and I hope I don't lower the tone of the conversation. But uh, my, yeah, my best good. friend. Hey. Now go for it, Joe. I'm just uh, here. We go again. Skydiving, you guys. You make me nervous just talking about it. But go ahead. Well, go I've ahead. got a, I've got a follow up story. I got a follow up story about Farrah Heights that that may help you. Um, nice. If if you if I get through my yeah. So so if, uh, my best friend. Um, he he's an absolute character. Uh, he's become a very successful 
defence lawyer um, here in, in New Zealand. But uh, he was, um, it was when we were at, at college and he took the summer off and he went skydiving for the summer. So he went all around the country. Uh, New Zealand's a beautiful place to skydive from because um, it's not just about the sky, right? It's about, you know, where you're looking as you fall. And he was, uh, he, so he spent the summer, it was about six or eight weeks and they would camp and they would, um, you know, stay in these places and it was an organized group. And there were two Irish guys and they were apparently they were hilarious. And he has all these stories about, you know, drinking with these guys for the summer, but they, they also went skydiving most days and they'd been skydiving together for about six weeks. And one of them was like laughing over a beer and he said, oh, he goes, I've been um, pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Um, he goes, you know, I've, uh, no, one, no one's realized, but I don't have um, a backup parachute. It's just my sleeping bag. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? What did everybody yeah. do? What was the reaction? They, there was, I mean, yeah, it was a different time. Um, but, yeah, the funny thing, yeah, so he obviously had no fear. He hadn't done the risk and the consequences. Um, yeah. No. He, he couldn't. The, the, main, the, the, reason, and the reason he hadn't was because he couldn't afford um, the backup shoot. So he'd chosen <laughs> to buy beers and do everything else, but not to buy the, the backup shoot. And so he, he jumped for the season without a backup hey, shoot. It sounds like it worked out for him, though. I mean, they, they didn't used to have backup shoots back in the day. Like, that's a new thing. That is Same. true. That is true. That is true. We've uh, my friend and I have laughed about that one. Um, just the calculation that had gone in the guy's head that it was it, he would rather buy the beer at the end of the day than, than a backup shoot. Um, but uh, Nate, as long um, as he uh, reached the sorry, as, as, yeah. Joe, I was saying as long as he reached the ground, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. There's no, there's no uh, bad ending to that story. Um, well, that I, that we know of. Um, but yeah, just in terms of fear of heights, uh, when I was, you know. Apparently, they, they reckon that you inherit it from your parents. And my dad was very, very scared of heights, still is. And um, I had a lot of um, that, that friend who did the skydiving. He was one of the tamer ones. I had a lot of friends who did um, a lot of action stuff. And we used to ski and do crazy things. And my friend um, opened up a, a rafting business in Japan. And it's been very successful, whitewater rafting. And it's on it's on a big river. and he. Uh, he's actually become a multi-millionaire from that business. I've, I've written quite a bit about him. He's an amazing guy. But I worked for a season when I was young as a, as a rafting guide. And we'd get to the bottom of the river, and there was this huge cliff. It was uh, close to – it was 40 feet. And the guys would do all these kind of jumps and flips and backflips off it. <laughs> but what I did was uh, I started way to the left of where they were, and I started at about six feet, and I started practicing. And I found it was easier to dive than to jump. And so I just kept working at it. And over a few weeks, I went from the six feet to the 10 feet to 12 feet until I got to the point where I could actually dive off the 40 foot, uh, the top and train myself to do that over. A, so yeah, you, I think you can overcome your fears. Um, that was, that was, a, that was an occasion where I did that. So mate, you can work on it. Uh, I I, lo I love the stories, Joe. You you always have great stories, and uh, those are definitely no exception to the rule. Um, I will say I've I've conquered the fear of failure. I have I can say that, that I have success on that front, and I'm confident enough to speak about that and uh, and and share you know, what I know. But I will say that there's two things that I'm not sure I'll ever get over. And and by the way, your comments about fear of heights being inherited. Yes, my mother is terrified of heights as well. Um, heights is one of them. I'm, I mean, I don't have as bad as some people I've met, but uh, you know, I don't like heights. And then uh, funny, cause where I live, rattlesnakes, like I'm absolutely terrified of rattlesnakes. Like it's ridiculous if you saw me around rattlesnakes, I'll call basically anybody to come and, and handle that stuff for me. And I live, in rattlesnake country like there's no spot in the world i don't think where you find more of them so i don't know if that says anything about me so blind luck this is a great conversation man um i wanted to get to some comments uh real quick and get your thoughts on it uh sean said don't fight the fear it's a common mistake right instead embrace it and i thought that was super interesting 
I will admit, like fighting the fear of failure. That's I think that's a, a you know, it's catchy, but maybe that's not the right approach. And uh, I like I like the comments there. So I just wanted to bring that up, Carl. I see your hand popped up. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I could speak directly to that, and that uh, that relates to your fear of heights. I also was uh, afraid of heights as a teenager and in my twenties until uh, I was a senior year. At college and um some friends of mine were going cliff jumping and i said you know what screw it i'm going to embrace that fear like sean said and uh i'm going to go cliff jumping so uh, i went to school in upstate new york in ithaca and um they say ithaca is gorgeous so uh because there are lots of gorges we didn't quite jump off of a gorge, but it was pretty close. It was about a 40-foot jump, and uh, I looked down, and there was a rock on the bottom. And I said, well, you got to jump past the rock to make sure you make it. So, all right, that was an extra added bonus to the, the whole fear of heights thing. <clears throat> but I, uh, I just said, screw it. And so I took the leap, and... Uh, when you're falling like that, you realize, well, I'm still falling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I should have hit the water by now. And that's when it kind of, uh, hits you that, Oh, it's a little too late. So I did it. And then the, the hardest part was getting back up and then doing it again because I had done it. And I, and I realized that it was thrilling and it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed myself, but I had to kind of dig deep and tap into that inner uh, warrior or whatever it is and say, you know, I did this, I could do it again. And the second jump was actually, I felt was harder than the first time. So ever since then, no fear of heights. That that was it. I'm, you know, I could look over the edge of something and not uh, get dizzy and it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> Carl, um, that, that's actually really similar to the experience that I had and I can relate to it. And that, that thing, that feeling you had where you're still falling, that was why I started diving. I found it easier to go head first because, <laughs> you know, if you're, I'm six feet, I'm six foot tall. So before I hit the water, I'm still six feet above the water <laughs> uh, when you dive feet first. So, um, but yeah, like you said that the second jump was, was harder than the first um, because you, you know you can do it, but the you know the feeling, and it takes a few goes to to keep that going. But and then, as you said, um, it, it is actually you can, you know, I would I um what and and to the point that um you read out, Nate, um to embrace the fear. What what I learned from all of that was that my fear um, was actually a nervous excitement, and so I actually enjoyed these things way more than my friends who have absolutely fearless, and so they it's very hard for them to get a buzz. Whereas for me, it's always, it's entertaining, even at a much smaller jump. So um, I, I started to consider it as a, um, as a, as a bonus. I love that. I love that. What's up, Lana? Yeah, I was going to jump in on the skydiving thing and then that nervous excitement thing, you definitely touched on a good point there. So I want to add to that. Uh, but yeah, the, the sky, skydiving is weird. Like I've done it and it's like, at first, it feels like kind of like being on a motorcycle, like that really hard acceleration. You're like, oh, okay, like, it's going to be fast. But then it just keeps going, and you have like this oh shit moment, like this is this is getting real. Like you, you, you feel like you've completely lost control, like on a motorcycle or a fast car or something. Like you, you, you feel that hard acceleration, but you still kind of feel like you're in that control, like, you know, but then you, you walk past that point, and it's like, oh my God, this is actually happening. So it's a pretty intense feeling. Um, as far as the nervous excitement, I agree 100% with that. Like, once you've gotten past your fear a couple of times, like, you're never not scared. I mean, people think, like, oh, I'll do this when I'm not scared or fearful. You're, you're always going to have that fear of failure or that doubt. But, like, learning to walk past it and accept it as part of the process, you kind of get that nervous excitement. And for me, it's super energizing. It's like, all right, this is going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work. Like, I got to really get after this. Like, it, it gives me a tremendous amount of focus. Like, whenever you're in, like, a high-risk environment – you know how you get super focused. It's kind of like that for me. It's like, you know, that you, you might not 
it's going to be hard. It might not work out the way you think, and you're going to, it's going to require all your attention and effort. So you can kind of flip that switch in that survival instinct mode instead of avoiding the risk, you know, that fight or flight thing, right? Instead of running away from the fear, go fight it, you know, dive head first. And I find it tremendously energizing. So depending on how how high you go during skydiving, if you're, you know, jumping from 14,000 or you're even going further up, that the 10, 12 seconds of free fall is when it's, it's the most exhilarating. But once you, once the parachute opens, that stillness that you see, that, that you hear, that this, you can't hear anything. That stillness is unmatched. And once you land, the next day when you look at sky, you look at it very differently. But again, you know, we are digressing from the topic. Uh, but yeah, you know, anybody who gets a chance and if you don't fear, I would say definitely try skydiving at least once in your life. This, I had no idea this is the way this conversation was going to go, you guys. <laughs> once again, I'm blown away by uh, the direction we take these conversations. Always good, always tons of great knowledge. By the way, haven't said it yet, but if you have, if you haven't followed uh, these speakers, be sure you do. Add them to your timeline. You'll get a lot of benefit from it. I promise you that. And um, yeah, we're here every Tuesday and Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Eastern. Tuesdays we like to talk a lot about markets, and Wednesday we like to talk about wealth building. And you know, today we're talking about fear, the fear of failure, and uh, in particular, um, you know, getting past that fear of failure. Blind luck, uh, you've asked some great questions. We've been you know, dishing it around. Did you say you had additional questions or another one you want to throw out there? Um, or if not, no, no worries. I got other stuff I was going to bring up. Uh, not necessarily more questions, but I have some quotes and some uh, different ways of thinking of fear, but I kind of want to let you run with it for a while. Um, I don't want to dominate this conversation, but um, you're yeah, good. there's you're some good. really interesting ways. What was that? Oh, no, you're good. But yeah, I see Carl with his hand up. Maybe we throw it to Carl and then, yeah, th I want to hear those quotes and, and hear what you, okay. what you yeah. have to say. Yeah, let's have Carl run with it and then I'll, uh, I'll close out. How's that? Beautiful. All right, yeah. Let's hear it, Carl. What do you got? Yeah, I have a, a good story about failure because I failed spectacularly on live t national television and uh, you all can go see it up on YouTube if you want to. Um I uh, I was a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire uh, several years ago, almost uh, 10 years ago now. And it was an absolute dream of mine to be on a TV quiz show. I grew up uh, watching Jeopardy with my family, and all I wanted was to accomplish this dream, right? So I get on the show, and uh, I get all the way to the last question i'm out of last uh lifelines this is before the next round before you start to get to the real money but i had a bank of about 36 grand or so uh which would have really helped me out at the time and i could have walked away right there and taken half the money or i could have answered this one question and i would have gotten to the next round with a chance at the million dollars. Well, they gave me this um, really asinine question. Uh, and I basically knew that I had a one in four chance to guess it right. And I could move on and get some, you know, go for a million dollars. But instead, uh, so so I went for it, and I guessed, and I got the question wrong. Live TV, deflated, the air was out of the place. Everybody was rooting for me, and I felt kind of like I let them down. But, you know, I walked out with $1,000, which was, you know, fine. But more importantly, I got the experience, and I got the opportunity to live out one of my dreams and I have this great YouTube clip that I could show my kids and my grandkids at some point and a great story. So I think someone had mentioned this earlier, but, you know, that fear of failure prevents you from doing a lot of things that you, you want to do. And one of the ways I overcome that fear of failure is by just playing out worst case scenarios in my head. Right. Um, if I'm going to fail on this investment, how much money do I stand to lose? 
if I'm going to, uh, you, you know, spend hours writing this essay, what do I stand to lose? Um, and you could apply that to anything in your life. And when you have that, when you have that um, worst case scenario playing out, well, then you know what kind of things you can do that you can live with afterwards. And so for me, uh, I, I could live with the opportunity of the one in four chance of getting that question right and playing on for a million dollars because I knew even though I only got, got that thousand dollars at the end, I still had, you know, I would have easily paid a thousand dollars for that experience. So that's, uh, that's my, my story of big time failure there. Brother, I love it. I love that you got to do that on national television. That's quite the experience, man. And you guys, uh, you guys can watch uh, watch the appearance if you want. You just type my name in and millionaire on YouTube, and it's up there. But a fifteen minute long clip. So that's my fifteen minutes of fame for now. <laughs> I love it, man. Good stuff. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I just want to throw out there before I do. I'm totally distracted. I'm looking at these pictures of of Alex Honnold. Joe, these are insane. This guy <laughs> is just like smiling as he's on these these rock faces and he's and he's just gripping onto like a quarter inch of a ledge with his little fingertips. I want to shake this man's hand. I'll bet you he crushes your hand into dust if he wanted to. He's interesting talking <laughs> because um yeah actually he's he's not as strong as some other climbers. And he says he's not as technically good as some others. Um, he's just got, he's very good at, he um, pictures and he, he creates images of, and maps out a three or four hour course. But you know what's even more interesting? Um, you know, I really followed him uh, quite a bit. And I noticed recently, I, I don't think he can do it anymore. I think that he's, um, uh, he had some close scares. And I think he's, um, I, I think he can do it for a while, but he, um, after a number of years, um, I think that he may not be able to do he doesn't do it anymore which which um you know makes those when you see um what he's doing and you watch the videos of the climbs it's, it's extraordinary and you realize that um you know it really was a mind over matter thing and i'm not sure that he can convince himself to do it anymore well that actually is a perfect segue into what i wanted to talk about which is you know we've, we don't always think about things this way but your window of opportunity is not forever right and the there's one thing that and it'll sound a little bit grim for sure but you know people say what are you going to think about on your deathbed and actually what i've heard and read is the most common thing is people just realize like oh i'm not going to get a chance to do all those things and you just think about like oh i'll do that tomorrow I'll do that tomorrow or and often that's part of just being afraid of you know being afraid of failing, quite frankly. And so getting after it and just accepting failure, taking it, taking it in the chin sometimes. Um, and sometimes it's not right up front, right? It might be years into something that you're doing. It just doesn't work out. I, I honestly think that if you commit to something, you get past that six month hurdle and then you get past the one year hurdle. Now you're 18 months in and you're committed, truly committed. Um, it takes quite a big curveball to to throw you off course there, and because you've you've really set a strong path at that point, and you've committed yourself, you've overcome that fear of failure in my mind at that point, right? You've decided that you're going to tackle those things that come head on, right, and get past them, you know. And so, that being said, I mean, just like I, I alluded to this yesterday, just this past weekend, I, I mean, I had these thoughts creep in. That everything I'm doing, like literally everything, I'm not talking about just a newsletter or just trading or just what we're doing here on, on these spaces and everything. I mean, like everything, <laughs> everything was going to be this ultimate failure. And it's the craziest thoughts that just crept in. And so I think it all came from the fact that I'm actually doing fairly well. And there's a lot of people who are rooting for me. And I think I realized that and that pressure felt like it just mounted out of nowhere, right? It's like, oh, I have all these people that know what I'm doing, are, are following along, and I can't like back out of anything, right? And not that I want to or anything, but like there's this pressure that 
I don't like to feel when I don't feel like I have options. And so, again, what I did was, like I alluded to earlier, when I have this fear, I just talk it through. And I realize that it's not really, a, at least for me, 99 times out of 100, it's not really fear, more so than it is what Joe was talking about, is that anxiety and, um, you know, just not wanting to, um, I guess, I guess it is a fear, not wanting to fail, right? You just don't want to get to that point of letting anybody else down and then letting yourself down. So the th the, the big trick about it is just walk through it and detail detail out what are you afraid of. And if it if you can do that 99 times out of 100, I'm telling you, you're going to realize that it's ridiculous. That's the word I like to use, right? Like, like I'm going to fail at everything from this point forward. Like I don't have a track record of failing everything all at once, let alone multiple things, you know, over a string of. So why would I? Why would I suddenly get there, right? So that's the kind of thought process I walk through. You know, if you're thinking about embarking on something, why would you start a business? You know, you you could fail, you could have financial ruin and destroy your whole life. Well, yeah, you could if you're really stupid about how you go about it, right? If you just don't think about it, you just go throw a million dollars to the wind that you don't have and then have to figure it out. But if you're really dedicated and meticulous and thoughtful and do your research and, you know, take time to, you know, learn like you're doing tonight, getting all these spaces, listen to all these brilliant speakers, we get pulled together. Like those, those are the steps. You're doing all the right things. You put in the time. Uh, you're going to be all right and you're going to be able to overcome and you're going to be able to, you know, have success. So it takes a lot of failure to get to those successful points. So by luck, I want to hand it back to you. Um, and maybe you can, I would love to hear these quotes you got and help us close this one out strong. Just like you did last night, uh, you opened this up. This is a great topic and I'm glad we talked about it tonight. Yeah. I'm going to kind of share a personal experience and then I'll close it out. I love um, it. Yeah. I think you touched on a really good one there, Nate, with, the fear or, um, you know, talking about people's regrets on their deathbed when they've run out of time and they, they um, regret the things that they didn't do. And um, I'm going to be a little personal here. So kind of step in if I get off track here, but um, you know, I, as some of you may know, I am a legally blind individual. I, I do not have eyesight. And um, for me, um, it's a progressive degenerative disease. So in my early twenties, I knew I was going to be going blind by the time I was in my mid thirties. And um, that instilled a um, crushing fear in me that I was not going to be able to do the things I wanted to do. Um, I mean, like, absolutely crushing. Like, it actually paralyzed me for a while. Like, like you said, like, on your deathbed, you're imagining all the things that you could have done but didn't. And that just lit this immense fire under me. Like, you know, I've talked about being intense and stuff on the show before, and that's why. It's like, when you have that level of, like, it's like an axe over your head. Like when you know that time's running out and like, if you don't move fast enough, it'll kill you. Like it, it felt like that, like life or death. And it's really kind of rewired me a little bit. And I've had to step back recently and kind of, you know, do some reflecting on like, you know, what's healthy and what's not, but that's just some context. Um, so I, I was in my early twenties or I'll say mid twenties here. And, um, you know, I realized I'm going blind and I'm like, okay, well, I need to figure this out. Otherwise I'm going to be like homeless and, you know, screwed here because, you know, I'm not going to be able to work when I'm in my mid thirties and forties. So like we have a problem here. And uh, I took a huge risk. Like for me as a blind individual who doesn't drive, I started looking for jobs. I had a really good paying job, but I knew I need to make more money and really put myself out there. So, I mean, I started applying and I mean, when I say like applying for jobs, like I'm walking in there with like a white stick and I'm telling them like, yep, I'm blind and I'm going to be the guy to make you guys millions of dollars. Um, anyways, I ended up landing this job after interviewing for a while, um, doubled my salary. Like I couldn't believe it. I thought they made a mistake when they called me. Like it was that like ridiculous. And, um, you know, this was like 2016. I'm making like $180,000 a year, like just absolutely insane money for the time. And, um, I'm just blind guy, right? Like, so I go there and I have like a team of senior people under me and I'm 28 years old. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I went from um, a steel fab shop into aerospace supply chain. I have a budget of like a hundred and something million dollars. I mean, I literally had no idea what I was doing. I don't know why they hired me. And it's like, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And um, I mean, for me, I mean, honestly, it was just, I was so scared of failing. Like I took a huge risk. I left a perfectly safe job and, um, I, I was just like, I, I cannot fail here. Like, this is like, you know, it was like a nightmare almost. 
Um, I eventually was successful. Like, I'm very grateful that I worked out the way it did, but like, it was such an enormous risk because like, if that hadn't have worked, like, imagine if you were blind, you can't drive, and you have to like go to job interviews with like a, a white sticker guide dog. Like, you know, you you know, the amount of like no's you hear is astounding. And uh, for me, that was just an enormous risk. I had no safety net. I had no backup plan. I, I was all in. I knew that had to work. If that didn't work, I was in some serious trouble. So um, that's kind of my personal story. Um, I don't talk about it a lot just because I know it's not necessarily the most relatable to everybody. But um, it's interesting how motivating some uh, when you're backed into a corner, how motivating and fearful you can be. But you can't let it paralyze you. Sometimes you just have to power through it. So the, the final quote I have for tonight is by Winston Churchill, and he gave this address to um, the British people during World War II after they were being bombed by you know, the Germans. So imagine you're a British citizen, you're in a bomb shelter somewhere without power in the dark, and you can hear the planes overhead you know, dropping bombs on your neighborhood. I mean, that, that's the context. This was given over the radio. And um, it, it goes, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. The courage to continue is all that matters. Yeah, it's powerful right there. That is, that is. And that's exactly right. Like the courage to continue in the face of like whatever it is. I mean, it could be something as serious as what Winston Churchill is talking about, or it could be something that might feel trivial to you. I mean, Winston uh, but, Churchill, they, they did not know they would succeed. They were right. facing extermination. They had already so, taken out France. They had the Jewish in concentration camps. All of Europe was lost. They, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen, but they had to continue. Yeah, exactly right. The things that, that we do not or we have not had to deal with or face in a long time, many of us are very fortunate, right? And uh, those are powerful words. And I... I Take take note is what I would say. Take note. Good stuff, man. Um, I, I think that this this conversation has been a, another great one, you guys. And and if everybody listening takes away one thing, I would say that the majority of us don't take on enough risk. We're not risk of you know we're far too risk averse, and that doesn't mean you have to go out and full on you know be risky and take it all. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is like. Like we were talking about earlier, like what's the risk of starting up something small that doesn't cost a lot of money or dedicating your time to doing something uh, that you've wanted to do, but just were afraid that you would not be good at it or, feel, or you know, fail at it. Like, what are you going to do if you never try and you never get the opportunity? Like, how will that sit with you? And uh, there's, there's no there's no need to fear failure in that in any of these respects. Right. Just think, think it through. Think what you're truly afraid of. You know what? What is this failure that you're you're fearing? And and map it out a bit. And if you can talk yourself through it, and, and think about you know truly what you're thinking about. Is it really like what Joe was talking about? Just kind of anxious for what you're doing. And there's maybe some excitement behind it. And if you succeed, like that is going to you know 10x, 100x, uh, you know exceed whatever kind of um, failure, you know, downer you might get, like, then I think maybe you weigh that risk reward a little bit more and, and take the plunge. Right. And I always go back to writing because in my house, you know, my wife's a writer, I'm a writer. And for a long time, neither of us wrote, like we just did the nine to five thing. And, uh, <laughs> I don't regret much because I feel like life is a learning process and you constantly learning. Right. Like it, it to me, like to think I can go back and do everything differently. Anybody says I'd never do anything differently. Like, psh, no way, man, I do a million things differently, but that's just the benefit of hindsight. So I don't regret anything necessarily, but I, I would definitely, you know, started writing a long time ago because all it takes is a little bit of my time. Every minute I spend doing it, I enjoy it. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. People have told me like, oh yeah, I don't like your writing in, at all. Unsubscribe. <laughs> and it doesn't feel great. But I am, uh, for example, my newsletter uh, right now, I've been writing it for a year. I started off with just literally zero people, just a couple of friends. And I am at 952 subscribers. So that is as of right now. Trying to get to 1,000. You guys want to help me push to 1,000 interested in trading? 
check it out. I just pinned it to the top. Quick little plug there on my end. But, you know, point being, I, I started writing. I finally did it. And here I am. I got a thousand people who, who uh, read, you know, my newsletter, subscribe. And it just feels fantastic. It feels amazing. And all I had to do was start and, and stick with it and have the courage to, to power through. And, um, yeah, I recommend everybody take those shots in life. And hopefully those who are listening got a little something from all the speakers tonight. You guys, thanks again. Any um, parting words before we do go? Any last comments? Otherwise, I will just wrap it up. Kay, did you have something you wanted to add? Uh, I, no, I'll just say this, right? You know, you got to push through. And, you know, sometimes you got to take that leap of faith. And it will work out most of the times. Yeah, only live once, man. You got to give it a shot. What were you going to say, Joe? Did you have something else to add? No, I was just going to thank, thank the guys. Some great stories and really, um, you know, appreciated, um, you know, Carl, Kay, Blind Luck, everyone uh, sharing. That was, it was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's always fun. We have a great time. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you guys, 8 p.m. Eastern. Just check us out. If you're not already following these guys, be sure you do. And you'll know when they're up here speaking and any other spaces they're on. And again, their time, your, your timeline will thank you. I promise you that. So with that, I'll go ahead and get this wrapped up. I'll drop the recording on the newsletter as well. So you get the recording if you missed anything. And uh, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll get back out of here next week and have a good time of it. Till then, have a nice evening. Take care. See ya.